This is football. It's time to panic for a couple of teams, maybe more than a couple, and we get to that a little bit later. Um, ben Baby and Adam Hogue join me to do what I call quarterback panic theater because they cover Joe Burrow and Justin Fields respectively, and there are different levels of, let's say, concern about where they are, where the season is headed. Uh, we do a great roundtable later. Really fun, really funny. Um, obviously, two different buckets of player, two different buckets of franchise and expectations, but I really enjoyed that. I uh, want to start off third show in a row mentioning this topic, but I, it's, it's the first time I'm actually going to blow it out. So I put on Twitter Wednesday, what does the NFL's Deion Sanders look like? And the obvious sort of uh, painting in broad strokes, the obvious problem is there's no transfer portal, there's no recruiting, there's a draft. And as Channing Crowder said on Wednesday, it's just way more money focused, even though NIL has made college football more money focused. Uh, It's still, hey, what can you give me over four years? What can you give me over five years in the NFL? And no amount of charisma, juice, media attention is going to change that. But I got, looks like about 170 submissions here. And I went through all of them. And I think there's some really interesting ideas here. Now, the number one thing that came in was Brady and Manning coaching a less important team, right? Maybe, maybe let's say somebody said this, you know, Peyton Manning goes or Tom Brady goes to Arizona next year when they have one and three in the draft and they get Caleb Williams or Drake May and Marvin Harrison Jr., right? And you go from there. They build a super staff. They have so many connections in the league. They're obviously going to coach the quarterback well, that sort of thing. Then we sort of go down the line. And there were some really funny ideas. Number one that came up, aside from from those two quarterbacks, Randy Moss. Like, who's not, and somebody said, who's not becoming a Vikings fan on the bandwagon if Randy Moss starts coaching the Vikings? Or a lesser-known team. I remember, Prime had no connection to Colorado before he went there. Um, But, you know, Randy Moss ends up in Carolina. Are you not rooting for that? Is he not putting a staff together? Do guys not take a little bit, a little bit less to go there? I don't know. Is he a CEO type of coach? I don't, it's just something worth, worth, worth thinking about. Other one, if we're talking about TV, which by the way, Deion Sanders was on for two decades, Michael Strahan, Shannon Sharp, that was thrown out. Both those guys were thrown out. You want to talk about like the ability to generate media attention? Michael Strahan's on national television, not sports television, like national, like in everybody's living room as they're getting ready for work TV every single morning. He's like, he's a, he's a charisma baron. He knows how to sell. And so like you have other options there. Ed Reed was thrown out there. Someone said Chad Johnson and T.O. co-coaching. That'd be a sight to behold. Um, and so, you know, the biggest thing I had a, a former player text me and say, Ray Lewis is actually the guy. Reason being, I thought it was interesting. He said that the one thing about Dion is that he feels he was put on this earth to coach Colorado or whoever's put in front of them can coach these kids and generate the coach prime um, legacy, I guess you could say, right? Like this is his number one force in the world. Would, would Strahan feel that way? Would Ed Reed feel that way? Would Tom Brady feel the way? I don't know. But like there's a driving force that propels coach prime to do this. And they thought the only person who's like that, who, who isn't doing it is Ray Lewis. And that maybe Ray Lewis gets guys to buy in that. He's got this almost, I mean, I, 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 I say this lovingly, like you have to have a level of delusion to say, I'm going to do something incredibly miraculous. And by the way, what, what Coach Prime is doing is actually miraculous in the context of going 3-0 with a team that had been in the doldrums for 20 years, 
um, what he's been able to do seemingly overnight, just as far as the attention goes, is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in football. In football, and the idea to say, like, you know, what is it? All progress depends on the unreasonable man. The idea to say, I'm going to go into Colorado and not just start winning, but make it the center of the sports world, not the college football world, the sports world, that requires some belief that is not normal to people. And people were saying Ray Lewis has that. So, the short answer is it's, it'd be impossible, basically impossible, but there's, there's options if you wanted to try it. Um, but I also think, and, and the athletic reported this on Thursday, um, Jeff Howe, I think said it like the first call for some of these teams will be, will be coach prime in the NFL after the season, after next season, they're just going to give the call. What does it look like? How could you do this? How could you replicate it? Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't sounds like Deion Sanders doesn't want to do it, but he hasn't been presented anything. And I think that I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. Is there a coach prime effect? that goes through all levels of football, because what we're seeing now is the impossible is possible through sheer uh, charisma, juice, media attention, like, like the willpower of a fan base. Like everybody seems to be on board with this. And when that happens, collective effort, that good things happen. Coach prime. I don't want to say he's changed football or whatever at the, the let's not, let's not, uh, overstate things, but it, it 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 is by the way hard to overstate how much he has been able to change that program and change certain parts of college football in the past couple of weeks. But what he's done has changed the way people might think about the head coach position over the next two to three years at every level of the sport. All right, let's get to Adam. Let's get to Ben. Here's quarterback panic theater. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OMAHAFULL and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only must wager with eligible promo code bet amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. All right, it's time for Quarterback Panic Theater. I'm joined by Ben Baby from ESPN, Adam Hogue from CHGO. Um, I was going to limit this to quarterbacks, 
Adam, uh, and then the entire Bears franchise imploded on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, we'll start here, and I want to I want to actually start with Fields, and we can expand it from there. Got an interesting text from someone yesterday in the NFL after Justin Fields made his comments, which he later clarified, I guess you could say, um, where he said, you know, could be coaching. He's overthinking. He's, he's, he's not playing. He's playing too robotic, all that stuff. And um, someone in the league asked me, what do you think Ryan Poles thinks if it becomes Fields versus Luke Getze and by extension, Matt Eberflus? Like inside Hallis Hall, the feeling on Justin Fields is what, Adam? Well, I think right now it's a, it's a little bit of doubt for sure. I mean, how could it not be? The first couple of games have been uh, pretty bad and there have been guys open and plays where you're just like, dude, you got to throw the ball <laughs> on. Uh, I, I, and, and on the other hand, though, I, I have to say, like, this was not one of those moments, Kevin, where a player calls out coaching and I'm like, oh, no, like that was a mistake. I loved right. it. Like he was saying everything that anybody with a quarterback eye could see on the film, which is like, there's just too much going on there that he's thinking about. He, and this is a player that I think going back to Ohio state and I realized he had much better protection, much better wide receivers. His wide receivers at Ohio state would be the best wide receiver unit in football right now in, in the <laughs> NFL. If he just put them all on one NFL team, but he just played like he uses, this is a guy that just needs to play in my opinion. So for him to come out yesterday and by the way, he didn't just call out the coach and he took responsibility for himself too. He yeah. said at the end of the day, I'm the one that has the football in my hands and I got to take all this information they're giving me and I got to go make the play. So I thought he did it in a respectful way. I almost hated that he came back a few hours later and walked yeah. the comments back because I'm like, oh no, now someone's in his head again telling him that like, you know, that was a mistake. Like this, this we, we just went backwards after one step forward a couple hours ago. So there's a lot going on there and how Ryan Poles is viewing all this. I don't know. Cause I know he loves Matt Eberflus. I know he loves yeah. this coaching staff, but that can change quickly in the NFL. I've uh, covered that many times with the Chicago bears. Well, the other thing with a franchise that sputters a little bit is it become it changes quickly because you got to save your job. Like that's the biggest part of it. It's like, okay, I love this guy. Oh wait, it's an ultimatum. All right, see you, buddy. Um, happens all the time. Ben, completely different bucket um, of of quarterback worry because Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, but I'm getting increasingly worried because of the calf. Um, I'll, it's just big picture. I'll take it. You can take it wherever you want. How worried are the Bengals right now? So if we're going to go ahead and use uh, local chili orders to define the uh, the level <laughs> of panic, I feel like that would be on brand here. Uh, I don't. You can't go like a three and a half way when you're ordering at your local establishment, but we're going to go three and a half out of a uh, full five way chili order here because uh, there is a lot of concern over this calf, you know, and this would have been the case even had Burrow not got re-aggravated it in week two against Baltimore, because when he came back, you know, I, I was kind of, we asked him questions when he first came back and he said something interesting. He said, this is the first time that he's had a soft tissue injury like this. And I asked him point blank. Uh, I said, is this something you're going to have to manage throughout the course of the year? And he goes, I just don't know because of the nature that this is kind of unique for him. And then we saw what happened in week two. Uh, he said he could have went back out there. I, 
I don't know. Zach Taylor said he could have went back out there, but we'll see. Uh, but I think you have to be concerned about this. The fact that, you know, you sat him for about five weeks trying to get him ready. Uh, he goes out, plays a couple weeks, has not looked like himself uh, in the pocket back there. And, and I think that, you know, they basically have built the whole ship in Cincinnati around Joe Burrow. If there's one person who's a, an MVP for an entire city, much less a franchise, it is uh, number nine here with the Bengals. So if he is not well, I don't really know what this team looks like. They are just not built to be able to succeed without him being able to play at a really high level, quite frankly. And, you know, you throw him his concern in with how this run defense has looked over the last couple of weeks. That's actually been a lot more jarring is how many yards they've given up on the ground. Uh, that performance against Baltimore was a lot more concerning uh, than what happened against Cleveland because you could kind of chalk that up to the lack of the offense moving the ball. But I would definitely say uh, whatever a, a three-and-a-half star orders or three-and-a-half way orders <laughs> at, at, at your local Skyline or Gold Star or whatever, that's where I'm putting the panic. Uh, Adam, is there a feeling like, first of all, I, I just, and I said this before on this show, like, I wish the bears didn't have to play the Packers week one. Like it was yeah. so soul crushing to have the referendum on the improvement or lack thereof over the offseason to come against Jordan love and Matt LaFleur and a fan base had been waiting for Rogers to leave in the same way. I remember I was, uh, at DePaul my freshman year when Brett Favre was en- at the end of his career. And I remember bears fans being like, can't wait for this to happen. Can't wait for Brett Favre to cycle out. Boy, there's going to be a change of the guard. We're going to have whatever Jay Cutler back there, whatever. Um, and it didn't happen. Um, I'm curious, is there a sense, and maybe they're just quick on the trigger in Chicago. Is there a here we go again sense after Mitch, after all of the, the false dawns in Chicago, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe we're going to have to look for another quarterback if something doesn't dramatically improve? Uh, of course. I mean, the amount of quarterback scar tissue that is built up in this <laughs> in this city, it's, it's hard to break through. It just, it really is. And um, I have not like, I've covered it all with quarterbacks here in Chicago. What we've been talking about locally in the, the past week is I have never seen a fan base go from like 12 days ago. You could not say a bad thing about yes. Justin. You could not say a bad, if you said, if you merely hinted that like he missed a pass in practice and it was his fault, like during training camp, they were jumping all over us. Okay. They lose to the Packers and it, it was nobody wants. If you said anything good about him, if you tried to defend him in the game, it, it was like the complete opposite. No, 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 no. Like he's, you know, so yeah. it's, it's a wild ride here with quarterbacks. I'm glad you brought up that Packer game because I going into it, I was like, this is either going to be best case scenario or worst case scenario, because I'm not sure any other team had a Super Bowl like the Bears had in week one. For all the, the context that you brought up, the change of the quarterback guard, Aaron Rodgers not being there, the amount that this ownership group, the McCaskey family puts on beating the Packers. I mean, I heard that George McCaskey was literally wearing like anti-Wisconsin shirts around the gym leading up to this game. Oh my God. Uh, it, it, yeah, but that's what this is what the family, this is what they do. I mean, they're, they're really fans at heart. And they put so much emphasis into beating the Packers and yet the Packers always win the game. And so I think that that, that trick like that just led to a disastrous situation right away, especially because not just because how they lost, but or, or that they lost. It's how they lost. They were never really in it. And Jordan Love outplayed Justin Fields. It was worst case scenario. And I, I agree. I think that that was if they had played, even if they had played the Chiefs in week one and lost, it, it would have not, it wouldn't have been panic at all. Now they're 0 and 2, and they got to go into Arrowhead this weekend. It's like, come on. 
Also, the everyone thought the Bucks were tanking. So everybody penciled in or wrote in pen, like, all right, at least we're going to get a win in, in week two. And all of a sudden, Luke Getze calls 11 straight of the same <laughs> screen, and all of a sudden, they're 0-2. But but again, that's a that's a great point because for from the day the schedule came out, which was what like May eleventh, twelfth, or whatever that was, like from that day up until week one, any one of us doing a schedule prediction was like, okay, yeah, week two is a win. Yeah, that's a win. That's a, that's an easy win. And then guess what? I was the only one I think in the entire city that picked the Bears to beat the Bucks last week, which I was wrong. But um, that shows you how much it flipped just because of the Packers loss. Every most people thought the Bucks would end up winning that game by the time we got there last week. Hey, so Ben, I was in Cincinnati, as you remember, uh, a month ago, I think. I had a different job back then. Um, and I I did a piece on on how Joe Burrow was able to adjust the deep ball uh, touchdown king in 2021. It's taken away in 2022. He becomes a short passing king. Curious if there's any adjustment that you think they need to make on offense, or is this literally just like he needs the calf, he needs the reps, and and then things will will figure it out from there. Like, is there, you know, T. Higgins? I don't think the the weather was so gross uh, against Cleveland. I don't think they're going to go zero for eight against T. Higgins uh, or with targets uh, ever again. That, that was just an anomaly. Like, is there anything with the offense right now, or is it literally just calf and reps? I, I think it's probably a combination of both. And yes, just so we're clear, you did write a great piece. It was talked about uh, ad nauseum right. in town. I had to hear That's right. from everybody yeah. about how great Kevin no. Clark is. It's yeah. par for the course uh, yep. down here. So everybody's talking about it. So, you know, but I, I think you make an excellent point in that, you know, there is some things scheme wise and, and rep wise that just ha- kind of have to go together. You know, Joe said, you know, when you don't get the reps in training camp, it's hard to just get that rhythm. Yeah. And I actually thought in the second half of that game against Baltimore, the offense started to find uh, that sink that was just lacking. Like, you know, when you watch that Cleveland game and and you referenced how, how kind of nasty everything was, it was, it wasn't raining. It was like misty and everybody looked bad. Deshaun looked bad, which is kind of, I guess, par for the course uh, for Deshaun right now, but you know, they all, nobody could complete anything. Uh, and, and so I kind of, through week one, kind of in its own separate bin. But in week two, everything looked promising up until, you know, he he kind of tweaked that calf again. But I, I do think there's things that schematically they could, you know, try to tweak a little bit. They've been trying to get Jamar Chase the ball in so many different ways because teams are taking away uh, those deep play threats that you wrote about in 2021. And Joe said, I'll just take what the defense gives me and I'll be uh, content that way. Uh, he's been, he's been fine doing that. And the Bengals actually touchdown rate per drive went up in 22. So they were scoring at a higher percentage. They just weren't scoring as much. And I think that's kind of the tug is that you still need to create those explosive plays in some fashion. I think, so that means that means you got to put that pressure on Zach Taylor to find some ways uh, to get your playmakers, the ball and, and you need Burrow to be on the field because as you saw, you know, if you don't have Burrow out there, you're going to have Jake Browning running the offense. And as much as I like Jake personally, I think that's going to be tough to ask him to go out and do the same things Burrow does. Well, I also think the the offense and this point was made by a couple of Bengals bloggers and, and observers when I wrote that piece, Burrow's a supercomputer. And like the offense is built around him processing this and going out and saying, hey, here's what they're doing. And and Brian and Zach are seeing this stuff along with Joe, but Joe sees it either first or or uh, just as, hey, we need to make this adjustment. Like Joe's vision is as much a part of the offense as anything. And if he doesn't have that because of the calf or because of the lack of reps, the offense is, is in neutral a little bit, right? Yeah. And you can actually go look at his uh, interception in week two as kind of part of that. You know, he looked at uh, the the Ravens uh, coverage structure and it was interesting. Geno Stone was playing back there as a, as a backup. He went in 
And he, it looked initially like they were going to give uh, Jamar Chase cloud coverage. And so the read would have been throw the ball to T Higgins down the middle of the field. That's a touchdown. Instead, you know, they, they bluffed the too high look over to Jamar. They double T Higgins in the middle. That ends up being an interception. And Burrow said that's something he's got to see. But, you know, I think over time, like you said, his, his ability to, to process his ability to see things on the field. That's one of the things they've liked about him throughout the whole process. And so I, I think that's something too keep in mind and that, you know, whatever he sees, he feels that's what you're going to end up doing. Adam, I kind of feel like Luke gets, in a bit of a doom loop right now after Sunday where everybody's criticizing the Golovsky. I think he said they ran the same screenplay three times in a row. It might have actually been more. Yeah. It's a version of uh, they've been running screens like crazy the last two weeks and to run, they ran it two plays in a row, including backed up in his own end zone almost out of the same formation formation was a little different. It was basically the same play. And that's the one that got picked off for pick six right at the end of the game. That's that's the, that's the NCAA like 13 move by me, which is like, I think I found a hole in the coverage. Oh, I didn't work right. Just missed. All right. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. And that's actually when you throw the pick. Um, but it feels like even if Justin Fields does not get better, it feels like Luke gets you uh, on his, on his back heels a little bit. Um, is there something scheme wise that people want to make the changes or some, something, is there like a narrative in Chicago when you turn on your pod or turn on talk radio there where they're saying like, Luke gets, yes, do this. I mean, like the easy one, I guess would be design runs, but then people, you know, it's so funny. I was on Mark Titus's show a couple of weeks ago and he was like, I watch every snap of Justin Fields at Ohio state. And like the idea that he'd be a runner and not a passer would be, would boggle everybody's mind four years ago, everybody's mind. And now that's that's the way it seems to be. It seems like there's ways to unlock his passing along with the design runs. And it seems simplistic to say it's just design runs. But on the other hand, he should probably run more. Yeah, I mean, this is very layered. Um, To be honest, the first thing I would do is I don't know where the Bears outside zone scheme has been the first couple of weeks that that that's I mean, forget Justin. Like, I just don't know where they've run it. Like, I feel like a handful of times that was the bedrock of the offense and everything they talked about when this coaching staff got here. So that's been the most confusing thing. And I think that that would help set up play action. Um, You know, just really simple stuff we're talking about here to help Justin Fields in the passing game. This is. So just a just to rewind, I don't know how many people were really watching Bears football deeply last year. I hope you weren't, quite too frankly. Too many, too yeah, many. Yeah, but but you know, last year they tried to come out in a very similar t- type where they're okay. Let's make Justin this pocket passer, and it just wasn't working. The Bears were two and three. They lost a Thursday night game to Washington. They had a long mini buy before they went into New England on Monday Night Football, and they came out in New England and completely out coach Bill Belichick and that coaching staff with this new offense, essentially with Justin running. And it really worked for about four to five weeks. I mean, no one could come up with answers. There was that great shot of Mike McDaniel when they're playing the dolphins, literally asking Justin Fields on the sideline, if he would stop running, like just stop in his Mike McDaniel way. It was hilarious. Um, and then defenses adjusted. Justin started to struggle down the stretch and they went in this long off season, like, Everybody was on the same page. Justin's got to become a better passer. Justin was on the same page. And I think there was this huge overcorrection. Instead of being like, let's take the stuff that works and slowly try to squeeze that pocket passing out of him. I watched every practice. It was like they're trying to turn him into Peyton Manning all of a sudden. And that's not who he is or who he should be. And on top of that, I hear Ben talking about like 
the lack of preseason reps and just missing even for, you know, a good quarterback like Joe Burrow. They didn't play him enough in the preseason, in my opinion. And I'm not one of these guys that's like, oh, you got to play guys in the preseason. I'm not one of these guys that says, oh, keep them out. I think every situation is different. In the Bears situation, Justin needed to play more in the preseason if this is what they were planning on doing once they played real games against the Packers and the Bucs. So I'm not completely surprised it's been a disaster. They have to... in a very, they don't have a mini buy now. They got to come out with against the Chiefs this week and try more of this stuff that worked last mm-hmm. year. It, it, they just have to. That's the, the adjustment Luke Getze has to make. And they they don't have to win this game. They're not going to win this game, but they can't get blown out. They got to show some signs of progress. Yeah, um, and I was talking to somebody the other day in the league, and and I was joking and about Fields, and they say, you know, Fields now that he's he's ripped the, the coaches is is going to go for 300, 200, right? And uh, I said, yeah, and the Chiefs are going to win by five points, right? And somebody was like, you know what? Like, the Bears would take that. The Bears would take, like, a one-touchdown loss right now where Justin Fields just shows something just to change the conversation. I'm obviously joking about 300 or 200, but just, like, the idea of Justin Fields taking a step forward would solve so many of the problems right now. And I want to get to this because the entire franchise is imploding. Um, what do we go? What's what the hell is going on with the defensive coordinator randomly resigning? There's definitely more to this story. Yeah. And I course. think some of it will come out. Um, and, and quite frankly, there, there is a very serious nature to it. So um, it, it's, it's weird. Uh, I, I've covered a lot with the bears. I covered the entire 2014 season with Mark Tressman, which I, I think a documentaries could be done uh, about a, a crazy season. I think most people in football have forgotten about, but certainly not in Chicago. Um, never experienced something like this. Okay, you're in the uh, in in your media room, and one day they say, "Hey, the coach you're supposed to talk today, the assistant, he's not going to be made available because he's dealing with personal reasons." Okay, yeah, that stuff happens. Next day, coach says he's not going to be able to travel to Tampa because, you know, it, personal reasons. Okay, fine. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a death in the family. There's a funeral this sure. weekend. Like, okay, okay, fine. But when the game's over and he gets asked, "Who's the defensive coordinator going forward?" And it's like, there's no answer. Okay. Now alarm bells are going off. Like, well, wait a minute. Why isn't he going to be back in the office uh, on Monday? Um, And so over the last few days, I think a lot of reporters, myself included, we've been trying to dig into this and you start to realize, I don't know if Alan Williams is coming back this season. This is a weird situation. And ultimately that's kind of where things just sort of got out of hand yesterday. The story starts to run on Twitter, which happens sometimes. And then ultimately he resigns. I've never seen anything like it. I think the craziest part that I want to share with you guys, I think is perhaps most interesting. The players were in the dark uh, Mm. about all this too. Um, That's when some more alarm bells went off. Like, wait a minute, why don't the players even know what's happening here? So there's a lot to deal with in a week where you got to go into Kansas city now and play the chiefs. Probably shouldn't say this, um, but we do a segment here called badasses, which is uh, when we have former players on, just like, give me the most badass guy I ever played with crazy story, whatever. One of the reasons that exists is because a couple of years ago, I heard a couple of players tell stories about Jay Ratliff on the Mark Trustman bears in 2014. And it was some of the craziest stuff I've ever heard in my entire life. And I was like, I want that in pod form. And I think most of those would be just deeply off the record, but it's like, if you could tell one of the 10, we're cooking. We are cooking. So Jay Ratliff stories, you know, let's just get Jay Ratliff on the podcast. Um, I don't know if you have anything on that, but uh, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, I was, we, we were in a lockdown situation and we didn't even know it. 
like we were in the media room working one day and we didn't know that outside that media room that they basically lock us in, uh, that the rest of the campus was like, there, there was, they were on lockdown because there was like, uh, they're worried about Jay Ratliff, who was, I think I forget at that moment if he had already been cut or was going to be cut, but they were like worried he was going to come back to the building. It was, it was bizarre. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we need a different name than badasses for the Jay Ratliff segment. Um, all right, Ben, has the Ravens ascension in the first two weeks and they look like legitimate Super Bowl contenders? Um, has that does that worry the Bengals a little bit more? Only in the sense that I the reason I picked the Bengals to win win the Super Bowl is because I was like everything's gonna be fine, everything's gonna be fine by October. They'll be playing their best football. November, December, they're gonna be rolling. First of all, you have the calf, which changes the entire timetable and gives me pause about the everything's going to be fine narrative, which I, I normally default to with Joe Burrow. But then second of all, like it gets to be a math problem. If if they don't figure it out till November now and the Ravens have run away and hid with the division, like that changes everything. Has that changed the temperature in Cincinnati a little bit then? It's interesting you talked about, you know, Adam talking earlier about kind of the temperature around Justin and, and kind of how you a couple weeks ago he couldn't have said anything. It's weird because the second Burrow signed his contract, the tone, <laughs> the way that people talk about him locally has immediately shifted. Like I was walking out of the, the stadium the other day, going back to my car and some random guy goes, hey, do you know where Burrow is? And I'm just like. Uh, no, he goes, well, give him a back, a smack on the back of the head for me. He needs to be playing better. I'm just like, what, excuse me? Like, yes, I'll, I'll get right on that, sir. Thank you. Uh, next time I find you, I'll be sure to, to give him a, a, a nice little smack for you. I just, I don't, but that, that, yeah, it's very strange, but that is a good way to kind of describe the nature in which people are now talking about Burrow needing to play better. The team needing to play better. I think that having been close so close the last couple of years, there's an expectation they need to continue to be at that level. And I, I think Baltimore has definitely played a lot better than we thought. I thought Lamar looked fantastic. He looked uh, like he was never in, in any kind of danger throughout that whole mm-hmm. course of the game. He picked all his, all his throws, you know, whether it was on the ground and uh, through the air, everything he did just came off really well. And for me, you know, while we do talk about the calf, I, you know, the defense over the last couple yeah. of years when Burrow hasn't played as well as people have thought, to be quite honest, I think that defense has really bailed out the offense and, and, and especially in the Super Bowl loss to, to Los Angeles and in the AFC championship loss to Kansas City. While the offense was not really clicking, the defense did enough to keep the offense in the game. And I think Luana Rumo, the defensive coordinator uh, who NFL Twitter loves, rightfully so, deserves a lot of credit for that. But this year, this defense is showing me shades of the 2019 defense that did not look too hot uh, in Lou's first year. And, and we, you know, talked to Lou the other day and he said, you know, I'm not really too concerned because guys aren't really getting really whipped at, at the line of scrimmage and really losing a lot on one-on-ones. We're just not gapping things well. Those are things they need to fix. But, you know, I think part of the concern that I, that I think exists is that these are all young guys who are coming in and trying to fill roles that veterans had. You know, we talked a lot in the offseason about the, the safety duo of Jesse Bates and Von Bell leaving. You're replacing them with Nick Scott and Dax Hill. You know, you're putting rookie DJ Turner into some more high leverage uh, situations where, where Trey mm-hmm. Flowers used to be. Uh, you have uh, Cam Taylor Britt now playing in his full first NFL season after taking the reins for Eli Apple. All these new pieces, I think having them mesh together is going to be something to watch moving forward. 
So, you know, for the Bengals right now, Jamar Chase probably was the, was the biggest psychic on the team, the biggest profit when you go back and say that I just need a Burrow to be healthy at the end of the year. I think they know as long as they get in and Burrow is, is playing well, they'll have a shot to kind of make a deep run. But I think that 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 uncertainty about the calf is really casting a whole pall around everything going on downtown. I'm just glad somebody stopped you to talk about something other than my piece. Um, Adam, we'll get you out of the out of here on this. Um, the division, kind of same question. It hasn't like Detroit is one and one. They were obviously great in week one against a Kansas City team with Chris Jones, without Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. Um, last week they pick up the loss. Green Bay at least looks mortal against Atlanta. Um, and the Vikings are kind of adrift right now. Um, is there any optimism that the, the season is still in front of them in Chicago, Adam? I think maybe a little bit, right? Because if Justin does figure it out, and I keep saying with him, like the floor, the floor should be higher than it is. We've already seen the floor I higher. Completely agree. So, so like even if you take off like a Joe Burrow like ceiling, like this should be better, right? And they have they have a better roster. And even in December of last year, they were they were in games against the Eagles and the Bills in in December with like a that rip down defense while they're trying to basically tank for the number one pick. So yes, I, I think there's in the schedule lightens up here after they play the yeah. chiefs, they got the Broncos, they got the Raiders coming up. They got the Vikings, they got Washington. So it, can they get back to more of that team? We thought would be more around like 500 and, and more improved. I, I think it's still on the table, but I think these are crucial weeks because you know, we were, we were bringing up the Mark Tressman era they went in new England and got killed. And then they had a bye week and they went into green Bay and they got killed. And both of those games were on national television and everything started spiral spiraling really quickly. So I think these are very important weeks. I think if you play competitive against the chiefs and beat the Broncos, you can get back on track. But if you go in arrowhead and it's a disaster and with all the drama that's been going in on already within the walls of Hallis hall, this is, uh, I've seen it go the other way. And it's, so I think these are a, a big two weeks. Ben baby. will be back when the Bengals win seven in a row later. Adam will be back when we do Jerry Atlas stories. We'll have them in. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on quarterback panic theater boys. Thanks Kevin. Appreciate you.